0: Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. This is a 90-minute program, Prophecy Today Weekend, that I am inviting you to join us in a look and listen to our broadcast partners who have current events and the details behind these events happening around the world that are actually setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. Now, for example, in the beginning of the next half hour, Winky Madad will join us from Israel. We're going to be talking about the actual location of Herod's temple and the next temple to be built by the Jewish people in Jerusalem. Quite a controversy here in the United States. With debates going on as to whether it was on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, where the Gold Dome building is, or the City of David. Winky has been studying this for 50 years. You need to join us and hear what he has to say. And then Paul Blair, former NFL football player with the Chicago Bears, will join us. We're going to be talking about the webinar that was held on Thursday. Pastors, many of them, hundreds of them across the country, listening to Dr. Erwin Lutzer, longtime pastor of Moody Church in Chicago, as he spoke on the theme, We Will Not Be Silenced, which is actually the topic that he spoke on. That's going to be a very important conversation as well, so keep the dial right where it is. But right now, a key conversation. We start with it each and every week, looking at geopolitical activities across the world. Ken Timmerman, an author, a world traveler and a very knowledgeable gentleman who comes to the broadcast table to explain, give us his analysis of these current events. And Ken, let me start with this article. It seems that Al-Qaeda is making a statement. Whoever thinks that somebody can stop the collapse of America is mistaken. What do you think about that comment? But is there a possibility there could be a collapse of America.
1: Well, Jimmy, I look, I take this with a grain of salt. This is from an al-Qaeda leader in North Africa. He shows, if nothing else, that al-Qaeda is still around by making this kind of comment. But I don't think this guy, Batarfi, is really a major player. He is not in a position, as far as I have seen, to launch terror attacks on the United States. So I would chalk this one up. a bit of uh, bravado and the effort by an al-Qaeda offshoot in the Arabian Peninsula, sorry, not North Africa, to show the world that they're still there.
0: Ken, just to add to that, what do you think about the possible collapse of America? Should that be, in the future, a possible event?
1: Well, Jimmy, this is something long-term I am very much concerned about. And I think the election of Joe Biden and America Last policy that he is promoting His desperate effort to revive the Iran deal, his caving into communist China, all of these things, I think, bode ill for the future of a strong, united America. And you add to that his efforts really across the board to divide us as a people, to pit us as groups against each other inside America. Uh, Yes, I am worried about a collapse of American greatness and potentially a a collapse of uh, America as a country. If we have another election, such as the one we had in 2020, that was, I believe, won by President Trump. I think there's 74 million Americans who are convinced that the election was uh, somehow unfair. Uh, It was illegal. The results were not accurate. Uh, If you have another election like that, I think the American people are going to rise up and revolt against those who are stealing their freedom and stealing their government from them. So, yes, I am worried about the future, and I do not see the current president of the United States as a uniter, as he claims to be.
0: Ken, let's focus on Iran just for a moment. They recently issued a fatwa. I want you to explain that, if you will and it was a nuclear fatwa and it seems to by most observers be nonsense what do we know
1: well jimmy there there have always been efforts on the left and in the democrat party here in this country to put forward this so-called this alleged fatwa from the supreme leader uh, they cannot find a text for it the various references go back to a speech made by Khamenei, the supreme leader, in 2004. And when you look at the speech, it is not a religious edict against nuclear weapons. It just says that having, making and having nuclear weapons is problematic. Well, yeah, of course, for Iran to, have to make and to possess nuclear weapons would be problematic. That goes without saying. But that is not a fatwa. A fatwa is the answer by a religious authority to a question that is posed usually in public. And, and most of the time, those fatwas are religious edicts. They are published on the website of uh, the Supreme Leader, on the website of other ayatollahs who have the authority to make them. So this is something that the left uh, likes to repeat when they say, well, Iran has no intention of making nuclear weapons because, you see, they have declared them at the highest level to be against their religion. It's just nonsense, and it's an excuse for, again, abandoning, our security by allowing Iran to continue its covert nuclear weapons program, which, by the way, in recent weeks has once again been exposed by the International Atomic Energy Agency in uh, new inspections. So we're learning more about Iran's covert nuclear weapons activities at the same time you have these people on the left in the administration in Washington trying to cozy up to Iran and to renew the Iran nuclear deal to allow them to march onward to nuclear
0: weapons. A report coming out of the White House that President Biden and his team are very much disappointed with Iran demanding the United States kneel over the sanctions relief, and at the same time, President Biden setting up a joint U.S.-Israel and a joint U.S.-Gulf team for discussions on the renewal of the Iranian talks. Is that going to be a good setup for the president, or is that going to get him in trouble? Well, here's the thing,
1: Jimmy. You have to look at what the administration in Washington says, and then you have to compare that to what they do. So, yes, there was a State Department spokesman who last week said that the United States was disappointed that Iran had resumed its 20% enrichment of uranium. And by the way, 20% is virtually weapons-grade, because it just requires a short time to go from 20% to 93%. Most of the time of enrichment is in the first couple of percentage, okay? So uh, they made that statement. But at the same time, what they are doing on the ground is to, for example to take the terrorist designation away from Iran's allies in Yemen, the Houthis. They are talking to North Korea to get them to release frozen Iranian assets. They are siding with Iran in the United Nations. They are doing all kinds of things that are really what I would consider to be appeasement of an authoritarian regime. So you really have to uh, the, uh, compare the uh, the words spoken by the Biden administration which, with their deeds. And as of now, their deeds... Appeasement.
0: More news coming out of the Middle East, Iran, still that focus on this Islamic Republic. Iran and Turkey appear to be on a collision course in the nation of Iraq. Give us the latest.
1: Well, you know, for a long time, there have been simmering rivalries in northern Iraq. The Turks consider northern Iraq to be part of their sphere of influence, and, and during the Ottoman Empire, part of Turkey. So They have long had a very, very close relationship on the ground. I have seen Turkish military bases in northern Iraq. People don't realize that Turkey actually has military bases in northern Iraq in the Kurdish area. Uh, The Kurds aren't very happy about it. The Iraqi government's not very happy about it. But the Turks just keep them there anyway. Most recently what's going on in Sinjar, which is that part close to the Syrian border where the uh, Yazidis were massacred by ISIS, Starting in 2014, the Turks are now engaged in this standoff, if you wish, with the Iranian-backed militias, the Hashd al That's what they're called in that area in Sinjar. And Turkey is saying we don't want Iran in that area, and the Iranians are saying, Turkey, you have no business in Iraq. Uh, we are actually part with these militias of the Iraqi government. So this is uh, getting close to a standoff. I tend to think both sides are going to back off here and that the Iranians are going to win on this one and they will keep the al Shabi because they are still an Iraqi militia, even though they are backed by Iran, whereas the Turks would have to invade militarily to grab control of that area. So I would say, if now, if I had to call it, I would say this one is a potential win for Iran and a loss for Turkey.
0: About 30 seconds left, if you will, Ken. Secretary of State Tony Blinken labeled China as the biggest geopolitical test for the Biden administration. Meanwhile, out of Beijing comes the claim that China is the builder of world peace. Those don't seem to go together.
1: Uh, Well, they don't. So Blinken gave a speech to the State Department, you know, the, the, the diplomats, the career diplomats there. He said the relationship with China, quote, will be competitive when it should be, collaborative when it can be, and adversarial when it must be. Now, uh, that's saying everything to all people, if you wish. Again, look at what they actually do. So far, what this administration has done has been to say to China, we're going to take away the Trump tariffs. We're going to take away the Trump confrontation with you over your currency manipulation and your expansion into Hong Kong and your threats to Taiwan. So I would say, again, there's a lot of appeasement here, a couple of tough words, but a lot of appeasement. The interesting thing is that the Chinese responded and say, oh, oh, you should not be using such tough words against us. So the Chinese are really going to press them, are going to press them very, very hard on even their statements.
0: You know, you can hear their words, they may sound good, but watch their actions. That's what Ken Timmerman is exhorting us to do. And I agree with that. Ken, great report always on geopolitical activities, your insight into these events happening around the world thank you so much we'll have another conversation next week
1: thank you jimmy it's always a pleasure god bless
0: we're going to take a quick break david dolan's standing by he's got his middle east news update that's all ahead right here on prophecy today
2: Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's latest book, Revelation, A Chronology, takes a walk through the prophetic book of Revelation in the order that the events will take place, chronologically, sharing insights into its true meaning and doing so in an easy to understand and practical way. If you have difficulty understanding the book of Revelation, get your copy of Revelation, A Chronology, and let Dr. Jimmy Young aid you in your understanding of this profound end-times prophecy book that God has preserved in His Scriptures for Christians in the last days. To order your copy of Jimmy Young's Revelation, A Chronology, call us toll-free at 877-674-3298 or visit our website at prophecytoday.com.
0: Welcome back to Prophecy Today. Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga. We're here where we have a seat, a broadcast table, that we invite many of the broadcasters around the world that can deal with issues, current events, seemingly setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled to join us at this broadcast table. A key report each week is David Dolan's Middle East News Update, key for those of us who are students of Bible prophecy. David, long-time journalist in the Middle East, over 30 years, and has knowledge of what is happening, insight into whatever we may bring to his attention to respond to. And David, let me start with this. There is a rising understanding in Israel that they may not be able to assume they can crush Iran in any type of a conflict in the near future. What are your thoughts about that statement, and do you believe it's correct?
3: Well, Jimmy, it's debated, much debated uh, issue, obviously, in Israel, because Iran has been making clear now for, well, really several decades that they intend to go to war against Israel at some point, and they claim wipe the Jewish state off of the uh, world map. So they have to take that pretty seriously. But Iran is a very large country, uh, about 10 times the size of Israel in population. It's much larger geographically. Their nuclear program is spread out in many locations. And so that alone makes it uh, difficult to uh, take them on. But that Israel is still talking about that is clear. The latest was Benny Gantz on Thursday in a telephone call with Vice President Harris in the United States, in which he reiterated that plans are afoot and have been afoot uh, for such an operation against Iran's nuclear program by Israel, if indeed it feels it has no other choice. He made that again plain. So they're saying out loud that there could well be a full military clash with Iran. And, of course, Iran keeps pushing by having its militias attacking different sites. That, again, happened this week in uh, Iraq and uh, Syria. And so, you know, it just could happen, and then we would find out. But Israel's as prepared as they can be, but they certainly would want the help of other nations, and that's uh, the question mark at
0: present. I've read the last chapter, Ezekiel chapter 38, starting in verse 18 through chapter 39, verse 6. The Lord will intercede when Iran and an alignment of nations try to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. There is a report coming out that uh, both PLO and Hamas are on board with a two-state solution, with the Israeli Palestinian conflict, David, explain who Hamas and PLO are. They're different organizations, but are they really looking forward to a two state solution?
3: Well, Jimmy, they are two different organizations, and the PLO, of course, signed on to an accord with Israel in 1993 that would have ultimately led to a palestinian state a full palestinian state had the palestinians frankly adhered to it in two thousand they broke it completely and went back to war and turned their guns against the israelis in the second palestinian uprising so that sort of canceled that but they still officially hold to that plan hamas on the other hand has always said as its founding charter makes clear that there can be no jewish state that Israel must disappear entirely. Of course, they are very much uh, Wahhabi Muslim fundamentalists, Sunni Muslims that reject the Jewish state on religious grounds. The PLO, of course, has a lot of religious uh, Muslims in it as well, but it's not completely dominated by them as Hamas is. So I really doubt that Hamas would ever sign on to that. In the meantime, they're now encouraging the International Court of criminal justice in the Hague, so-called, the UN court, uh, which says it's going to probe war crimes against Israel and Hamas. They're actually encouraging that to go forward, even though they're named as a possible violator of committing war crimes in the 2014 conflict in Gaza. Yet, uh, despite that, they're still urging the court to go forward because they hate Israel that much. So that's not a sign that they're uh, working for a peace settlement anytime soon.
0: The Jordanian foreign minister, now foreign minister in the Middle East would be equivalent to our Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, but the foreign minister of Jordan urging the Israeli foreign minister, Gabi Ashkenazi, uh, to try to reignite the Palestinian peace process. Do you believe that will happen, David.
3: Well, Jimmy, again, we're um, overarchingly looking at the possibility this year, or certainly within the next uh, year or two, of a major conflict with Iran. Jordan is not building nuclear weapons or threatening to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. Uh, They are officially at peace with Israel. So, um, you know, whatever they say is one thing, but the ground is just not there for a Palestinian-Israeli peace process to get going and to really move forward at this time. So many of the Palestinians are eagerly waiting to see whether Iran will be able to keep its uh, vow. Again, this isn't a threat, really. It's a vow that uh, Israel will be wiped out and they are engaged in a major military action to make our nuclear production, I should say, with, of course, military preparations all over the place, beefing up their air force and their army, and especially enhancing their uh, allied forces in Lebanon, and Syria, in Gaza. So, again, there's just no sign of a peace process on the horizon between Israel and the Palestinians. That's really being talked about because uh, Joe Biden has come back into power and is pushing that line a little bit, but they're also pushing for a resumption of the nuclear accord. But that had some setbacks this week with Iran making clear they're not going to concede. They're not going to slow down. They're not going to be the first to take any actions. So uh, war is what we're looking at really in the region and not some sort of a peace process at this time.
0: Meanwhile, Hezbollah, a radical terrorist organization that is located there at Israel's northern border in southern Lebanon, has a different statement coming from its deputy leader. He said they are not interested in war with Israel. That's a bit of a change, isn't it, David?
3: Well, the rhetoric is one thing. It's uh, what's happening on the ground. And, you know, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. The IDF put out its annual assessment of the threats of war in the region, and they concluded that Hezbollah is itching for, they said, a limited conflict. They don't want a full all-out war at this time. They would do that as part of any action against Iran, uh, a wider war in the region. They would unleash everything they have, but they continue to prepare for conflict. And that's just the reality of it. So I don't see that, that whatever political statements are made, the actions on the ground that belie them, there's not any indication that Hezbollah is any less interested in seeing Israel wiped out than they ever were. They know, though, that if they take Israel on a loan, they could get smashed pretty quickly again. And Israel demonstrated that in its uh, war exercises uh, early this month, that uh, they have a lot of capability to uh, unleash in case of a conflict.
0: A word coming out of uh, Moscow, Russia, uh, that the Israelis better pay attention to, I think. They're saying that the continued Israeli airstrikes on Syria are testing Moscow's patience. Israel's going to keep on, though, keeping on, aren't they?
3: Well, they feel they have no choice. Uh, if Russia were to force Iran out of Syria, that would be a different story, but as part of that statement, uh, the Russian officials make clear they're not going to do that. They say we were invited in by the legitimate Syrian government, uh, Bashar Assad, and so is Iran. Actually, Iran was invited in before we were, they pointed out and so uh they have a right to be there. Well, that would be fine with Israel if Iran wasn't building bases and wasn't, if it was just aiming its guns at uh, the Assad opponents, that would be one thing, but it's building bases in the south, especially. It's arming Lebanese Hezbollah forces that it's brought into Syria. It's making war preparations, basically, and Israel has to counter that, and has been doing that for several years now, and and yet that Russia warning is the sternest we've ever had, and it does, uh, again, look like the tide is turning, that Russia's turning further and further against Israel, even though they are still officially, uh, you know, diplomatic relations exist.
0: As you can tell, David Dolan, with his vast experience as a journalist in the Middle East, is able to bring to the broadcast table very important insight, information for us as we look at his Middle East news update. David, thank you so very much. We'll talk again next week.
3: You're welcome, Jimmy. God bless.
0: Going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to bring to the broadcast table Winky Madad. We're going to talk about the true location for Herod's Temple and the next temple In Jerusalem. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today.
2: Have you always wanted to visit the land of Israel? Imagine what it would be like to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. With Joshua Travel, you can visit Israel, past, present, and prophetic. The Bible will come alive as you see places like the shepherd's field where our Lord was born, Caesarea Philippi, Cana of Galilee, Capernaum, the Garden of Gethsemane, and the Garden Tomb. You'll even experience an exciting boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. Call Joshua Travel today at 423-821-3635 to find out more about this trip of a lifetime, or you can visit us online at joshuatravel.com.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung right here at Broadcast Central. This is the second half hour. We have one more For a three-half-hour program, actually 90 minutes, that we would like for you to give us so you can get the world from our broadcast partners and the political and prophetic events unfolding in this world. Right now, we go to Israel, the middle part of the state, a place called Shiloh, center part of Judea and Samaria, great historic significance, biblical significance, dating back about 3,500 years ago until the time when Joshua brought the children of Israel into the Promised Land. Now, we're going to jump ahead about 1,500 years to 2,000 years ago, Winky, and I want to ask you, there's a big debate going on here in the United States about the location of Herod's Temple. And the next temple that the Jewish people are preparing to build there in Jerusalem. They are saying that it was in the city of David where Herod's temple was. Let me ask you a direct question. Where do you believe in your experience and knowledge and understanding of the temple? Where was Herod's temple located?
4: According to my studies and learning exactly where the Temple Mount is today, Known in Arabic as the Haram al-Sharif, the noble sanctuary. It has not moved. It is exactly geophysically fitting to the rabbinical descriptions in the Talmud about the length and breadth, and the fact that it's on the top of a mountain, or should I say, now that I'm talking to Americans, mostly top of a hill, but I do not think and I cannot accept after maybe over 50 years of studying the issue, that the location is where some people are trying to put it, closer to the city of David, which is way down in the valley.
0: Well, talk to us about that, Winky. Why do you make that decision? I didn't know you'd been studying this subject for 50 years. Man, that's a a great time of really coming to an understanding of the truth. But why do you say it cannot be in the city of David?
4: First of all... Let's put aside any sort of, in quotation marks, biblical knowledge. Very simply, the archaeological finds that have been discovered over, over a uh, half a century, including the ritual baths at the southern end of the current Temple Mount, the descriptions of the walls, the stone facing, the underground diggings that have been done, especially all along the Western Wall, all the way to the Northern Wall, underground, what we used to call the Hasmonean Tunnel, and other evidence combined with the fact that over the past almost 2,000 years, we have a constant testimony from Roman sources, from Jewish sources, from... Byzantine, and then early Arab crusader all point to the fact that the Temple Mount is where it is today, just above and behind the Western Wall.
0: Uh, Winky, I can actually think about coming to my mind now, Second Chronicles chapter 3 and verse 1, where it talks about Solomon building his temple, that would be the temple before Herod's temple, but building his temple on Mount Moriah. And at the top of that little hill that you were talking about, or mountain, whatever we want to call it, that is the official site of Mount Moriah, is it not?
4: Yes, it is. We have all sorts of, if, as a historian and as an archaeologist, anybody in those fields looking over the territory, measuring it out, taking into consideration that, I'll give you just one example. You've been up there. You know if you stand on the eastern wall and you look west, in other words, you have your back to the eastern wall and you look west, you'll see the outline, if you can imagine it, of the 15 steps and a few additional steps as you go up towards the platform. You don't have that anywhere else the uh, layout of the the temple, the long rectangular space that is now, of course, gone, but the, the soil is there, the topography is there. And you look around, for example, on the northern wall, and you see it's been shorn away where Herod extended it. Or you look on the south, where what's commonly known as the Solomon stables were extended on pillars so that Herod could also extend the area in in the south and almost completely double the north-south axis of the Temple Mount, all indicates it was done for something. It just wasn't, you know, someone just didn't do a huge engineering feat of the Western Wall extending it both in the north and the south because there was no temple there. Obviously, it was was the most important engineering feat of the, as you say, of almost 2,000 years ago that would have not been done any other edifice except for a temple.
0: I had the opportunity back in the late 80s, I had a dear friend who was, at that time, head of the government press office, Morty Delinsky. And he had a friend named Mayor Ben who was an archaeologist. And they took me down for a special guided trip, just the two of them, into what you refer to as the Hasmonean Tunnels a moment ago, and down there in those tunnels you could go the closest to what was the Holy of Holies there on Mount Moriah or the Temple Mount underneath that Dome of the Rock today. That's what I experienced personally myself. I'm sure you remembered both of those men, but why is there somebody here in America saying it had to be in the City of David? What's their reasoning behind that?
4: Well, I, I, I really wouldn't want to get too deep into any sort of psychological interpretations. That, you know, there are always people who want to be different. You have been in the Hasmonean tunnels. There are huge stones, masonry, cut beautifully down below. Obviously, someone worked very hard on the courtyards of, uh, of what was above in order to strengthen them, extend them both in directions. You have no area like that, similar, in the city of David. Any thought of perhaps, for example, perhaps you could say water is more plentiful closer to the Gihon stream. But we do know that there are troughs that came from the area of Bethlehem, or just south of Bethlehem, all the way to the Temple Mount. They were there for a reason. The water systems below the Temple Mount that have been mapped out in fact, the Smithsonian Institute has a study on it, and many other studies, all indicate that this is the place that where uh, the sacrifices were needed to be washed away. This is where everything was done. There's nothing similar anywhere else in Jerusalem.
0: Winky, when and you know the players who are preparing to build that next temple. Uh, That will be, many think, in the very near future, up and standing and even operating there on Mount Moriah, the Temple Mount, where the Dome of the Rock is. But is it necessary that that temple be at that same location? And if so, why?
4: We Jews go according to our legal religious texts. and, And Maimonides, who lived in the 11th century, makes it very clear that the site where All that happened in our Jewish history, where the altar was built, where David had purchased, where the zealots had fought the Romans, that will not change. The temple will be built in that area. We have, of course, the prophecy of Ezekiel, who extends it much larger than what's recorded in the Bible. Of course, again, that's in the prophetic future. But in terms of very simple engineering design and instructions everything belongs where it belongs, which is up on Mount Moriah, 260, 70 square meter area that will be divided according to the chambers and until the courtyards, as we have done. And that is what our duty is to do when the time is proficient.
0: Well, the debate may continue here in America, but those of you living in the city of Jerusalem are in the area, and as you have been for 50 years, student of the temple, the past temples, the next temple to be put up. It's a place where God wants it to be, and God will play the big role in where that temple is rebuilt. Do you think not that would be the case?
4: That is definitely the case. That is what all the instructions are, that's all the indications are at the present moment. And as we always say, man has to do the best he can based on his heritage and legacy, his relationship with God, and the historical element that will all point us in the direction, as you mentioned, of the third, what we call the third future temple in an redemption time.
0: Winky Madad, you amaze me every single time I come to you with a subject or an issue that I think, well, nobody in the world knows the answers to these. Here you are studying this issue for over 50 years and able to be very articulate in your answers. Winky, thank you. Thank you so very much for helping to clear this up. We appreciate it and looking forward to another conversation down the road with you.
4: Jimmy, I want to thank you for having me on the program, and wish you and our listeners goodbye.
0: What an interesting conversation with Winky Madot, looking at the true location for Herod's temple, first of all, and then the next temple that the Jewish people are preparing to build the upcoming Tribulation Temple. Well, let's go to John Root, another region of the world that is key. The European Union, John, covers that area, has been a citizen of Brussels, Belgium, for a number of years, and he knows what's going on. John, great to have you along, and let me get right underway. Uh, I understand the European countries are seeking a way to make condemnation of Iran. Now, what's that all about, and how are they going?
5: Well, uh, of course, the uh, EU high diplomat was snubbed, and uh, Britain, France, and Germany, they're bringing uh, some resolution on a United Nations level. So that will probably have an effect. But uh, what has happened effectively, not only has Iran uh, broken the provisions of the previous agreement, but now it's a development where inspectors from the International Atomic Energy Agency would not be able to inspect sites that are not on the list. So limiting inspections is the big deal here. Britain, France, and Germany are strongly objecting on the level of the United Nations.
0: All these bits of information that we get from John, helping us to understand how the prophetic scenario, as we look at the political, is putting everything in place for the prophetic to be fulfilled. I understand, John, that President Tayyip Erdogan of Turkey is telling the president of France, Macron, that cooperation between the two could have some serious potential. What would be that potential? Well, this has
5: been quite a uh, chess game. There's enormous international tensions between uh, Turkey and France, and President Erdogan has now, apparently changing a tone, saying, and after exchanging letters with the French president, has said that there's so much uh, possibilities, cooperation, and potential. Uh, I would imagine here the changing of this tone from Turkey is it actually a result of a pressure that would be from NATO, uh, international community, etc.? Or is it a continuation of some system to exercise and expand their influence? That would be the big question. But certainly Turkey has been a major concern for European Union and NATO.
0: A lot of information in the news, the media, the main media that most people listen to, mainstream media across the world, but also here on Prophecy Today about Pope Francis making a visit to Iraq, over to Ur of the Chaldees, and also into Babylon, two historic biblical sites key to understanding, really, Bible prophecy. And uh, the Pope has an idea he is going to try to unite all the religions of the world through his interfaith prayer meetings, Uh, that's what is really his bottom-line mission. However, he made a statement that his trip to Iraq is going to be for the purpose of allowing him to visit there as a pilgrim of peace. What's really true about this, John?
5: Well said, Jimmy. The, The Pope is taking what's being seen as a historic meeting into Iraq and would even be meeting with an ayatollah that would be of the Top religious authority uh, for uh, Shiite Muslims. There's concerns about security and restrictions, but the Pope is coming as a, quote, pilgrim of peace and sees an influence, but yet it's sort of a synchronism of uh, influence, uh, reaching out to, quote, brothers and sisters of other religions. I think a special note here is that in 2003, when Saddam Hussein was uh, removed Six percent of Iraq's population was Christian. And now, after years of all the turmoil and so forth, it's, only, it's the numbers of Christians have fallen to just 400,000. So this is an extremely terrible situation in Iraq for, for the Christians, and they have just been decimated through all these years. Um, the Pope's message is not necessarily following up on that, but looking for this oneness, as you say.
0: You know, it's interesting to note that when you think about where he's going, Babylon, that is a place, a location, actually a literal city of Babylon on the shores of the Euphrates River in Iraq that will play a key role in Bible prophecy, Revelation chapter 18, but at the same time, the European Union. So when we have a conversation with John Rood, we talk about stage setting for bible prophecy the scenario from the word of god to be fulfilled john a great report thank you so much my good friend we'll talk again next week
5: thank you the bible's a living book and we can see what's happening today even these references back to the ancient civilizations thanks for staying tuned in on everything jimmy
0: now I have the opportunity and great privilege to bring to this broadcast table a good friend, a pastor, a former member of the Chicago Bears NFL team a couple of years back, but now pastor of the Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. We actually catch him on the road. He's at a conference down in Florida, uh, but I wanted to ask him about a unbelievable webinar that took place on Thursday afternoon. The man I'm talking about, Dr. Paul Blair. Hey, Paul, how are you doing, buddy?
6: Jimmy, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, and we are doing well. Thank you, my friend.
0: I saw the promotion for that webinar, and it talked about the Liberty Pastors. I believe that's your organization. Can you explain who they are? What's their mission?
6: Yes, sir. Well, of course, you know, we have been friends for a long time, and I've been senior pastor for 20 years. And I have noticed that, well, we have in most of our seminaries, we've been taught to compartmentalize our faith. We have certain areas of subject matter that are off limits that we aren't supposed to talk about in church. And of course, that subject matter continues to broaden. You know, now you cannot talk about same-sex marriage because that's political. You can't talk about abortion because that's political. Well, really, that's all nonsense. If Jesus is the Lord of our lives, then there is nothing in our lives that shouldn't be subject to him. So we teach, we actually do three-day training camps, uh, introducing pastors to apologetics and comprehensive biblical worldview. You know, what does the Bible say about economics? What does the Bible say about business? What does the Bible say about politics? And as Christians, Every area of our lives should bring glory to the Lord Jesus. So, you know, we should be the most ethical businessmen. And we should be the most, we should understand the realms of government, whether that be uh, self government or family government or church government or civil government. You know, not all government is supposed to be handled by the United States Capitol. So most of these pastors have been totally clueless on all this. They've never been taught. In fact, they've been taught just the opposite. Well, we teach these guys apologetics and comprehensive biblical worldview, and then those men that graduate are part of our Liberty Pastors Network. And the response has been overwhelming. I mean, these guys come out of this conference you know, saying thank you. The scales have been removed from my eyes. You know, I always thought this, but I never could back it up biblically. And, you know, you've transformed my ministry. So we're just off to a a start. Obviously, this last year with the uh, sicknesses and everything kind of uh, disrupted our plans, but we've got about 500 graduates that have gone through our three-day training camps. So we look forward to getting those picked back up again now.
0: You know, that's a great mission, a ministry to pastors in our world today. They certainly are in need of understanding of God's Word and how it relates to real life itself. Well, I know that was the reason for the webinar that you co-sponsored featuring Dr. Erwin Lutzer, longtime pastor of the Moody Church in Chicago. He has recently written a book entitled We Will Not Be Silenced, which is actually the topic that he spoke on. I watched the webinar myself on Thursday afternoon. Can you give me a quick overview of what he had to say and why it's so key for the pastors of America?
6: Well, Jimmy, one of the great points that he made is, in fact, I've preached on this in recent weeks and months. You know, we, over the last 50 years, have lived in an exceptional era of Christianity. Being Christians... In the United States of America, we have had more liberty and more prosperity. And quite frankly, we're the only Christians in biblical history that haven't been persecuted for our faith. And as a consequence, we've probably gotten a little lazy and a little lethargic. You look throughout church history, and whether it be William Tyndale, burned at the stake for translating the scriptures, whether it be the separatists in Scrooby, England, being persecuted for wanting to have their house church and not participating in the official Church of England, or quite frankly, whether it be the first church that was continuing to hang around Jerusalem in Acts uh, 8, when God said, no, I'm sending you into uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost extent of the earth, yet they weren't going anywhere, well, wound, God wound up, uh, to me, using a eight, Romans eight twenty eight moment and allowing a little persecution on the church to get the people out of their comfort zone and actually take the gospel into the four corners of the earth. Well, we have enjoyed incredible freedom. You know, being a Christian in America hasn't cost us anything, and as a consequence, there are probably a lot of people, I think you would agree, that identify as Christians that really probably aren't born again. Well, now we're coming into a time where Christianity is not in vogue. In fact, we may suffer. It may come with a cost. And they are going to do everything they can and are beginning to now with such bills like the Equality Act in Congress to get us to compromise our standards, to compromise truth. And, of course, Dr. Lutzer had written on this, and he spoke to our combined groups. We had several different organizations that worked together to put this conference call on. You know, we have to be prepared to know what the truth is and be willing to die for it. We cannot compromise on the truth. And, of course, that begins with Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. But we cannot compromise on truth. We have to be the light in the darkness. And Dr. Lutzer, of course, has written on this and and, uh, was a real blessing to all of the attendees yesterday.
0: I took a lot of notes and uh, was instructed myself, appreciate Dr. Lutzer, good friend. We've been in conferences together. Is there a possibility that pastors and or laymen can go listen to this and see this presentation someplace on the Internet?
6: Yes, I would recommend that go to the Church United and forgive me, I don't know, I can't think offhand whether it's dot org or dot com, but look at Church United, which was one of our partnering groups. And a man named Jim Donnan works with, uh, well, Jim works with Church United. Then we got Sam Rohr with the American Pastors Network and Dave Welch out of Houston with U.S. Pastors Council and then our group, Liberty Pastors. We all were working together on this. But uh, Jim Donnan with Church United handled the uh, AV aspects of this. So that will be, uh, you can go to their Facebook page or go to their website and should be available there today.
0: Paul, talk to me about that Equality Act that you mentioned a moment ago. That is dangerous, is it not?
6: Oh, absolutely. And what this is doing, Jimmy, the Equality Act is something that has been sponsored by every Democrat in Congress. And now it's already passed the House of Representatives. It now sits in the Senate. And if it passes the Senate, it will certainly be signed by the current man in the White House. But what the Equality Act does Is it takes LGBTQ+, and recognize that plus, that's an indefinite. I mean, that's whatever they decide to add to it. And they will add that as a protected civil rights class to the 1964 Civil Rights Act, where obviously we know that all being descendants of Adam, you should not discriminate against someone because of their skin color. You should not discriminate against someone because of their natural-born gender, which, according to biology and the Bible, is either male or female. Well, now they have, oh, I don't know, 30 to 50 different gender identities out there. And, of course, the whole LGBTQ plus lifestyle, which the Bible calls that lifestyle, anything outside of, of the sexual intimacy between a husband and wife within the boundaries of marriage, God calls sin. Well, that is now going to be celebrated. In fact, if the Equality Act does get signed into law, that lifestyle will be a protected civil right. And don't think that the church walls are going to protect you. It will affect your hiring practices. It will affect how you identify your bathrooms. You can no longer have a male and female bathrooms in your churches. And quite frankly, I mean, it will attack the church to where pastors will be uh, threatened if they do not perform same-sex marriages. They could not only go to jail, which many of us would be willing to do, although none of us are lining up to volunteer for that, but your churches can be sued into non-existence. So this Equality Act is so dangerous. And in my opinion, and in the minds of many attorneys that we work with, this will literally transform Christianity in America. I mean, Christianity, biblical Christianity, will become against the law overnight if the civil government chooses to enforce it to the full extent of the law. So it's a very dangerous act, and certainly an overreach of the uh, Declaration of Independence and what was delegated to Congress. And so this is incredibly dangerous. I encourage everybody listening to this call to contact their United States senator, whether he be a Republican or a Democrat. There are no no Republicans currently in support of this. Currently, 49 Democrats have signed on as co-authors. So Joe Manchin is the only Democrat that has not signed on as a co-author. But if if they get to that 50 votes, then certainly Kamala Harris will be the tiebreaker, and it will go to the president's desk, and and then we we literally will be in in a new world here in the United States.
0: A word to the wise is sufficient. Make contact with your United States senator, especially as it relates to the Equality Act, and do this as quickly as you possibly can. Paul, thank you so very much for taking a moment to be with us here on Prophecy Today. We appreciate your ministry, dear brother. God bless you, and we look forward to another conversation down the road.
6: Thank you, Jimmy. God bless you, buddy.
0: We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, David James, our final partner in broadcasting is going to join me with a very interesting conversation focused on the Equality Act. Stay around. You don't want to miss that conversation. All ahead, right here on Prophecy Today. Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung I'm so glad you could stay with us for the first hour of the broadcast. We've got 25 minutes left. Keep the dial set right where it is. Some very important information. David James, we're going to talk about the Equality Act now in the Congress of the United States. In fact, that leads me to talk about our poll question located on my home page on the left-hand column. Scroll down. Here's the question. As it relates to the Equality Act passed by the House and now in the Senate that calls for Christians to obey rules not called for in the Bible, should we Christians obey God and not man as directed in the Bible, Acts chapter 4, verses 19 and 20? That's the poll question. Please go to my website and answer this poll question. That's prophecytoday.com. We now bring to this broadcast table David James. David and I with our weekly conversation using this time to help you better understand issues confronting the body of Christ and how when you apply biblical principles and prophetic information, helps you to understand how to live in light of what is going on in our world. David, so glad to have you along again for another discussion. You know, we were going to deal with a question from a listener, as we usually do, but we receive word this week that Dr. John DeBryan went home to glory, and indeed, what a loss to the Christian world today in light of his home going. However, I'm sure he's really thrilled being in the arms of Jesus. You know, he was an interesting figure in Christian radio, especially in the New England area. Well,
5: Jimmy, since I'm from the Midwest, I really wasn't familiar with Dr. DeBrine, but I do know he was the founder of Songtime USA, and he received a 50-year Lifetime Achievement Award from the National Religious Broadcasters uh, Association for his radio ministry, and prior to Songtime, Dr. DeBrine was the pastor of Ruggles Street Baptist Church in Boston for 11 years. But Jimmy, since you knew him, I was thinking that maybe you could share something a, a little more personal than I could.
0: Thank you, David, I appreciate that opportunity. I actually first met John when I was a student at Tennessee Temple University. I was in charge of the student radio station there, And when he came to speak at Tennessee Temple, I had the opportunity to interview John DeBryan. Want to talk about a guy who was scared to death? That is me because I looked up to John and his reputation and what he had done. We came back together in contact in 1991. He heard me being interviewed on a radio station in New York City. So he called and started using me as a correspondent, a broadcast partner there in Israel at the time of the Iraqi war. He sometimes would use me every day, but at least once a week, we would have a conversation on the radio, which would go nationwide on song time. You know, David, throughout the years, John used many of our materials on his broadcast, materials from our hour-and-a-half weekend program. In fact, my radio program, Prophecy Today, is patterned much after John's program, Song Time. John really had a unique program, and he had a great way of being able to interview people, make them feel so comfortable, and then make that presentation available to his listeners. John was a great Christian leader, great broadcaster, and a pioneer. Thank you very much, Dave, for allowing me to say a couple of words about my good friend and partner in ministry, Dr. John DeBryan. Well, David, a developing story that we've been closely monitoring concerning the Equality Act, which was just passed in the House of Representatives last week, needs to be considered today. Talk to me about it.
5: Well, the Equality Act is known as H.R. 5, and it was passed by the House, as you said, and it was by a vote of 224 to 206. And the bill was first introduced in 2019 by uh, David Cicilline, a Democrat representative from Rhode Island, who stated from the House floor, the LGBTQ community has waited long enough. The time has come to extend the blessings of liberty and equality to all Americans, regardless of who they are or who they love. And the legislation is described on the Human Rights Campaign website this way. The Equality Act would provide consistent and explicit anti-discrimination protections for LGBTQ people across key areas of life, including employment, housing, credit, education, public spaces and services federal funding programs, and jury service. And then the article goes on to say the Equality Act would amend existing civil rights law, including the Civil Rights Act of 1964, the Fair Housing Act, the Equal Credit Opportunity Act, and the Jury Selection and Services Act, and several laws regarding employment with the federal government to explicitly include sexual orientation and gender identity as protected characteristics. And that same article also states that the bill amends the Civil Rights Act of 1964 to prohibit discrimination in public spaces and services and federally funded programs on the basis of sex. So, uh, Jimmy, the Civil Rights Act ended segregation in public places and banned employment discrimination on the basis of sex, color, religion, sex, or national origin, but now they're trying to hijack that to make the Equality Act look right and just.
0: Before we focus a bit more on the Equality Act itself, David, could you give us some background to the Civil Rights Act and what exactly it was intended to accomplish?
5: Sure. Well, a helpful article on the History Channel website states this, following the Civil War, a trio of constitutional amendments abolished slavery, made the formerly enslaved people citizens, and gave all men the right to vote regardless of race. So that's the 13th, 14th, and the 15th Amendments. And nonetheless, it goes on to say many states, particularly in the South, use poll taxes, literacy tests, and other measures to keep their African citizens essentially disenfranchised. And then it says... For decades after Reconstruction, Congress did not pass any Civil Rights Act, and finally in 1957, it established the Civil Rights Section of the DOJ, along with a Commission on Civil Rights to investigate discrimination. So, Jimmy, in June of '63, President Kennedy proposed fairly comprehensive civil rights legislation, but he was assassinated in November and couldn't see it through, and then it was picked up by President Johnson. The Democrats staged a 75-day filibuster that was finally broken, and the Civil Rights Act passed the Senate with a 73 to 27 vote. And going back to the History Channel article, they said that the Title VII of the Civil Rights Act barred race, religious, national origin, and gender discrimination by employers and labor unions. So, Jimmy, it's important to know that the biased language of the History Channel article introduces what I would say is a not-so-subtle bait-and-switch because it highlights why conservatives are so concerned, especially Christian conservatives, because the article uses the word gender, which today refers to identity, while the Civil Rights Act uses the word sex to refer to biology.
0: David, uh, let's talk a bit about how the Equality Act would actually modify the language of the Civil Rights Act and what the implications of this are for us as a country.
5: Well, in the findings and purpose section of the Equality Act on the congressional website, it states this. Discrimination can occur on the basis of the sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, or pregnancy, childbirth, or a related medical condition of an individual, as well as because of sex-based Stereotypes. Each of these factors alone can serve as the basis for discrimination, and each is a form of sex discrimination. So, Jimmy, it changes the language by adding sexual orientation and gender identity to what was clearly meant only to be biological sex. In other words, the Civil Rights Act was only intended to prevent discrimination against women, that is, biological females. And the H.R. 5 bill goes on to say this. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer people commonly experience discrimination in securing access to public accommodations, including restaurants, senior centers, stores, and then it goes on to list any number of things. And then under the purpose statement, we read this. It is the purpose of this act to expand as well as to clarify, confirm, and create greater consistency in the protections and remedies against discrimination on the basis of all covered characteristics and to provide guidance and notice to individuals, organizations, corporations, and agencies regarding their obligations under the law. So I I know I've quoted a lot, but it's important that our listeners understand what is in this. So emphasis on strict enforcement of the Equality Act was clearly emphasized, and this has huge implications for our country going forward.
0: David, uh, this last week you sent me several articles by conservative commentators who have deep concerns that this is a game-changer. I think this could really have a major impact for churches and ministries. What are your thoughts?
5: Well, I think you're undoubtedly right, Jimmy. In The Federalist, Margot Cleveland wrote this, "...the statutory language provides for an extreme remaking of all aspects of society, destroys equality for women, and threatens religious liberty and the privacy rights for all Americans, especially children." The proposed law also will upend protections of the unborn, as the Equality Act is about abortion, too. And then she goes on to note this. The Equality Act provides that an individual shall not be denied access to a shared facility, including a restroom, a locker room, and a dressing room that is in accordance with the individual's gender identity. In a blog on Answers in Genesis, Ken Ham wrote this. It's being described as the most comprehensive assault on Christianity in America ever written into law, a dangerous threat to our nation and the left's woke new heresy code. Franklin Graham warned this: the Equality Act designates schools, churches, and health care organizations as public accommodations, and with this, schools, churches, and hospitals could be forced to accept the government's beliefs, and mandates about sexual orientation and gender identity, and then he went on to say this, "...the Equality Act will use the force of law across all 50 states to strip Christian and other religious ministries of their right to hire people of shared faith to pursue a shared mission." So, Jimmy, I think we're closer than ever to a time when pastors, Bible teachers, and other ministry leaders may face serious legal consequences, including incarceration, for taking a stand for the Word of God. You know, during last Thursday's debate, Jerry Nadler of New York said, God's will is of no concern for this Congress.
0: Well, he's wrong. God's will does absolutely tell us how. Every bit of legislation must be put into place because he originated human government i know that in the past churches and other religious institutions have found protection under the first amendment david what do you think the equality act does to that
5: well honestly i think we may be about to cross a very negative and dangerous threshold there's an article on the alliance for defending freedom website titled think the equality act will spare churches and religious schools think again, and listen to what the author has to say. In Massachusetts, state officials declare that churches are subject to state public accommodation laws. That meant if churches host public activity, something as simple as a spaghetti supper, they would be forced to open women's private changing areas and restrooms to biological men, and if a church refused, it would face crippling fines and even jail time. And Jimmy, there was a church in Southbridge, Massachusetts, that wanted to open a women's shelter, but they could be forced to allow men who identify as female to use the changing rooms, restrooms, and living facilities of these battered women. And that ADF article also noted that the Equality Act means any Christian university could lose federal student aid if they have a code of conduct prohibiting sex outside of marriage and doesn't let biological males compete on women's sports. This is not good at all.
0: Not good at all. That does state The reality of this Equality Act passed by the House of Representatives now going to the United States Senate. May we exhort you to make contact with your senator. You have two of them in each state. Let them know where you stand on this act and encourage them to vote against it. David, thank you for your research on this issue. Very key. I talked earlier with Paul Blair, a bit about it, but this enhanced our conversation. So I appreciate your work on it. Thank you so much for joining me here at the broadcast table. We'll do it again next week. Thanks, Jimmy. It was great to be with you again. I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, we'll open the Bible, take a look at the book, compare what God's prophetic word says with the reports from my broadcast partners. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today.
2: Every believer needs to understand Bible prophecy. Whether you're a novice or a student, we are here to help you. Just visit prophecytoday.com and click on the link for the Prophecy Bookstore. There you will find a large selection of CD sets, DVDs, and books for the Bible Prophecy student written by Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and other prominent scholars. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. DeYoung's latest series called Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy.
0: It's time right now here on Prophecy Today for us to take a look at the book. On Prophecy Today weekend, six of my broadcast partners came to my broadcast table to give us outstanding reports and insight into current events happening around the world. I could not do this broadcast without these broadcast partners. You need to hear what they had to say. If you had to miss any of these reports, please go to PTRN, Prophecy Today Radio Network. There we have archived all of these reports for you to listen to and at your own convenience. That's prophecytoday.com, PTRN, Prophecy Today Radio Network, And be sure to tell a friend or a family member they need this information as well. Now, as my custom, I want to give you my prophetic perspective on the news from our broadcast partners today. Ken Timmerman, he covers geopolitical activities across the world, and his headline, Al-Qaeda, Says that America is about to collapse and no one can stop it from happening. Well, that may well be the case because of the fact that America is not mentioned in a Bible prophecy. It is a boast by Al Qaeda. However, since America is not in Bible prophecy, they'll have to collapse one way or the other, possibly through insurrection infiltration by their enemies, are the imminent rapture of the church. I happen to believe the rapture will render America inoperative when all the Christians leave Christians who are the backbone of this nation, when they leave America inoperative, and indeed they will collapse. David Dolan gave us his Middle East News update and his headline was Israel must not assume that they can crush the Iranian military if they decide to attack the Jewish state. In fact, Israel will not defeat Iran in the long term. When the alignment of nations come to destroy Israel, the Lord will intercede. That's Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 18 through chapter 39, verse 6. The Lord comes to give the Jews the victory. You see, God has an eternal plan for the Jews. Therefore, they cannot be destroyed. Winky Medad had a very, very interesting conversation with me we talked about the true location of Herod's temple some 2,000 years ago and the site for the next temple, the ones the Jews are preparing to build today. Let me just go back in history with you about 3,000 years ago. Solomon's temple was built on Mount Moriah. That's Second Chronicles chapter 3 and verse 1. When Zerubbabel brought the Jewish people back into the land, they built his temple, ultimately to be called Herod's Temple, and it was built in the exact same place of Solomon's Temple. And as you look forward to Messiah's Temple, the one that Jesus Christ will build, it is also located there on Mount Moriah at the same location of Solomon and Herod's Temple. That's Ezekiel, chapters 40 to 46. John Rood talked about the Pope's visit to Ur of the Chaldees, birthplace of Abraham, and the Pope also going to Babylon, and he announced before he left Rome, he was going as a pilgrim of peace. Well, the Pope went, I'm not sure, as a pilgrim of peace, but he did have a dual-purpose His first purpose was to encourage visitors to travel to visit Ur of the Chaldees and Babylon. These are two very biblical and historic sites. Babylon is key to prophecy as well. That's Revelation chapter 18. The Pope, while he was at Ur and Babylon, held interfaith prayer meetings with the purpose of trying to put together a one-world religion, which is foretold in Revelation chapter 17. Paul Blair, former NFL player with the Chicago Bears and now pastor in Oklahoma, had a conversation with me about the webinar that took place across the nation on Thursday afternoon, hundreds of pastors tuning in to hear Dr. Erwin Lutzer Long-time pastor of Moody Church in Chicago. He has recently written a book, We Cannot Be Silenced, and that was the theme of what Dr. Lutzer gave all of us that joined this webinar. You know, we as Christians, and especially as pastors, must not be silenced. We must respond to laws that are contrary to God's Word. However, we must remember that we should do that, respond, in a godly, Christ-like manner. That's God's way of speaking to power. David James and I had our weekly conversation. We focused on the Equality Act that may well, if it's approved by the United States Congress, will force laws on Christians contrary to the Bible. Remember, Peter and John were in a similar situation some 2,000 years ago as recorded in Acts chapter 4. Might be good to read Acts chapter 4. Look for all the details there, but also especially Acts chapter 4, verses 19 and 20, when Peter and John were told by the hierarchy that they were not to preach the gospel anymore, anywhere they said, is it better for us to obey God or obey man? If you decide to obey God rather than man, you need to be ready to have to pay the consequences. You know, with each of these reports, the events unfolding across our nation and around the world, as reported by my broadcast partners, as they unfold, we can recognize and not deny that the stage is being set for the next prophetic event to happen, and happen real soon. By the way, that next event is the rapture of the church, and it could happen at any moment, even today. And having said that, nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up until...